Hello, this video is about the future of NATO, the, the North Atlantic uh, Defense Military Alliance, the most successful, most famous defense alliance in the world. Now, NATO has been in the news very recently, June 2020, quite a lot because of the annual meeting of the alliance. But this is not the reason why I wanted to do um, this broadcast, this video. It's rather because the future of NATO is of paramount importance to anyone interested in international relations and specifically in geopolitics. Why? One, because the United States, which is the founder, pillar of NATO, has been now for a number of years having uh, reservations and being very vocal about these reservations regarding the behavior of its partners in the alliance, in NATO, and particularly the rich European countries. And the argument or the reservation that the Trump administration, the uh, Obama administration, even the George W. Bush administration before that had, is that many European countries are not spending enough. Usually the calculation is done on the basis of percentage of the GDP. So the point is that you guys are very rich, but you're not spending enough on your military capabilities. And the second concern or reservation that America has been very vocal about for now at least 10, maybe 15 years, is that the military capabilities of many, many European countries in the alliance, from the American point of view, is lacking, is, is not great. But all of that was talk. For a number of years, the US had reservations, blah, blah, blah. But now, over the past few weeks and months, in the first quarter and the second quarter of 2020, the United States, under the Trump administration, has started to take very interesting actions. And the most notable action is withdrawal of American units, American military personnel from Europe. And the latest withdrawal was thousands of soldiers or personnel from Germany. Now, Germany, of course, has been for the past 60, 70 years, by far one of the most important bases in Europe in which the US has military presence. So, for the US to actually withdraw thousands of its personnel and key units from Germany, that is a key, not just signal, that is a move, an important move by the US to make it very clear that its priorities are somewhere else, that its view of where NATO is going is now not just talk, it's now being manifested in actions. The second reason that it is quite important to think about the future of NATO these days is that also in Europe, you do have now very vibrant discussion about the defense of Europe. Of course, the defense of Europe since the end of the Second World War, so mid-1940s, and until now, has been very much an American responsibility. You had um, a security 
guarantee from the United States to Europe that America will defend Europe, Western Europe in particular. But now, within Europe, you have very important voices that are saying, we see a change in how America is seeing the world, and therefore we need to think about our own European defense ourselves. So you had the very famous sentence by or phrase by the French president Emmanuel Macron a few years ago when he basically described uh, NATO as effectively a few months ago, described NATO as brain dead more or less. And perhaps more pragmatic, since the end of 2019, we have a new European Commission that was elected. That European Commission described itself as a strategic commission, and therefore it took it upon itself to raise and think about the big strategic questions facing Europe. And the heart of that is the idea of the defense of Europe. So what are the key threats, threats facing Europe, and how will Europe deal with those threats. That discussion is crucial to the future of NATO and vice versa. The future of NATO, the idea that NATO, the North Atlantic military alliance, that the United States is its pillar, will defend Europe. Now, the future of that is obviously very relevant and key to who will defend Europe, the defense, the future of the defending of Europe. The third reason that the future of NATO these days is a, a key question in international relations is the thinking, also very vibrant thinking, in the United States about China, about how the US sees the rise of China as an empire, as a competitor, and how the US will respond to that, not just militarily, in many, many multi-ways, but of course the military positioning and posture of the United States is crucial to the international relations confrontation between the US and China. And within the military posture of the United States, the future of NATO is paramount, a key issue. These three factors, I think, make it very important for anyone interested in international relations, particularly in geopolitics, to think of, about the future of NATO. Now, how do you think about the future of this very important military alliance? I propose three ways, or at least three points, that could help us think about it. One, how the US itself sees the future of NATO. And here you have two lines of thinking. On one hand, you have a traditional view, very much the, the pillars, the big centers, the big think tanks, the very influential groups, traditionally very influential groups in American foreign policy circles, that basically say the order, the international order that the United States created at the end of the Second World War, so the late 40s, early 50s, until now, has been wonderful to the United States, has been excellent, super successful. It helped 
the US win the Cold War, led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. And over the past 30 years, since the collapse of the Soviet Union, the end of the uh, Cold War, maintained an American supremacy over the world. So obviously, that international order, from an American point of view, has been wonderful to the United States. NATO has been a very important ingredient in that international order. So the first line of thinking in the US says that order has been wonderful, NATO is part of that order, therefore we need to maintain that order. Evolve it a bit, yes, change the way it operates, yes, enhance capabilities, all right, get the allies in Europe to spend more money, improve a bit of their capabilities, okay, but the order itself in which NATO is a key part, key pillar, needs to remain. But there is another line of thinking in the United States regarding NATO. That line of thinking says the order that the US created after the end of the Second World War is now obsolete. Why? Because in this line of thinking, the rise of China marks a new milestone, a very important beginning in the international relations scene, and therefore all what has been there in the last 60 or 70 years is great and wonderful, but now we, the US, need to think very differently about the way we see the world. And in this line of thinking, the theater, the main theater of international relations, of geostrategy in the world, is not in Europe, not in the Middle East, not in the Mediterranean. It is in Asia. And number two, the defense of Europe is not, in that line of thinking, the central question here. It is rather the defense and of, of countries in of certain countries in Asia and the positioning in Asia. And therefore, long story short, in this line of thinking, NATO is in its classic structure, classic priorities, is also obsolete and therefore it needs to be changed dramatically. Now, the current administration in the US, the Trump administration, is obviously in the second camp. It, is, it belongs to the idea that the world is changing and we need something very different. But until now, mid-2020, we do not have yet something very clear about what does it mean a new order that the US will do that has very different units, very different tools, different from NATO, or a very, very different NATO itself. So basically, to summarize that point, in the US there are two opposing views about not just the future of NATO, but about the essence of whether NATO is needed or not. In Europe, also, we have two different views about the importance of NATO. There's one view, mainly in countries that are very important, very influential in Europe, but also have had always um, a distance between themselves and American foreign policy, countries such as France. 
there's the famous saying, as I said, that Macron was questioning whether NATO is, is, is functioning or not. But the fundamental point here is that there are powers in Europe that basically say NATO has helped us fantastically over the past 60 or 70 years. The American security guarantee has done wonderful things for Europe, but we sense indeed that America has different priorities, different interests, and therefore Europe needs to take in its own hands its own security. That line of thinking does not say that Europe, that uh, let's get rid of NATO. No, it just says that in the coming period, Europe needs to be the primary defender of Europe. That the, the security of Europe should not be merely a responsibility of the United States through the tool that is NATO. But there is another also line of thinking in Europe regarding NATO. And that line of thinking is in the countries that are usually referred to as New Europe. These are countries in Central Europe, in Eastern Europe, countries that over the past 20, 30 years, since the end of the Cold War, have become quite influential inside the decision-making of the European Union. For example, Poland, the Czech Republic. These countries, keep in mind, were throughout the, the, the Cold War, so from the late 40s, early 50s, until the early 90s, under more or less the control of the Soviet Union. And therefore, they have an emotional link to the United States. That was the other that could save them. That was the other ideology that was very different from the ideology that was oppressing them. And those players, New Europe, very much says, no, we need, we Europe, needs to very much be as close as possible to the American defense architecture. And therefore, in this line of thinking, if NATO is to evolve, if the United States is to evolve its own thinking about NATO and about how NATO operates, then Europe itself needs to evolve as well its way of thinking so that it, Europe, remains relevant to the United States, to NATO. What is missing here, so you have two, two very different views about in Europe about NATO, but what is missing here is Germany, the position of Germany. Germany is not just the biggest economy in Europe, it is also now extremely influential, if not the most influential political player, not just in the European Union, but in the thinking in Europe as well. And of course, Germany will have a new leadership in 2021 when Angela Merkel uh, finishes her term and there is a new chancellor in Germany. So that is a key variable about these two lines of thinking in Europe about NATO. The final point that I propose to keep in mind when you're thinking about the future of NATO is what's happening inside the thinking of NATO itself. Now, NATO is a bureaucracy, so it has many, many people inside it, but there are units within NATO that you can think of as its brains, its think tank. And here, it's not that there are two views about the future of NATO inside NATO, but rather there are certain points that are very important to reflect upon 
to see how NATO or people inside NATO view its own future. One point is the idea that the confrontation with China is not or should not be seen only from a military point of view, because a military confrontation is actually very much unlikely. Unlikely. But what is likely, and what has already started to happen, is a strategic confrontation, a multifaceted strategic confrontation, in which there is competition in technology, in economics, of course, in international trade, in ability to influence investments and economic decision-making in different countries of the world, and even in culture, in soft power. NATO itself is looking at all of that through the prism of total war. Total war does not mean war, does not mean that a war will happen, no. It means that when you think about a war, about a cultural, civilizational confrontation between two major empires, you are looking at it through different facets. Hence, total war. That, so there are a number of, of writings already within from out of NATO on that dimension. And I think reflecting on that point is very helpful to see how minds inside NATO see factors affecting its own future. The second point that is very important to reflect upon within NATO is NATO's own view of the capabilities of its own members. So it's not just that you have the United States saying to some European allies, well, you're not spending enough on military, your capabilities are lacking here. Within NATO, there are already a number of scenarios, war scenarios, that are showing major, major gaps between what could be done in certain theaters led by the United States and what could be done by far less in other theaters led by European players. And therefore, that lack, that gap, sorry, not lack, that gap in capabilities within NATO is starting for many thinkers to become a big issue. To summarize, in the US there are two perspectives about the future of NATO. But still, the second perspective of the current administration, which says we need a new architecture, new thinking, is not clear yet. In Europe, there are also two camps about the future of NATO. But also in Europe, there is no clarity yet on what the direction will be because the position of Germany, the most important player, is not clear and there's a new leadership next year, 2021. And even within NATO, there are different variables that are bubbling up in the thinking, of which two are very important. One, that the confrontation of China is not just, not to be seen just from a military capabilities point of view, but rather from economic political, military of course, cultural, trade, investments, prison, the total war, the total war idea. And real concern within NATO about the divergence of capabilities and therefore of mindset between the key components of the alliance itself. So if you want to think about the future of NATO, these six factors, two in the US, two in Europe, and two within NATO itself, I think, are important to reflect upon and to think about the interaction between the factors themselves.